are listening to the Daily Roundup here as part of the Reality Steve podcast. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for you today. We've got some Bachelor Nation stuff to go over. I'm going to tease this week's weekly podcast. It's going to be up in a couple hours. A couple of the topics that talked about on that podcast I'll bring up briefly here in the um, Daily Roundup. Also, looks like we have When the Women Tell All is going to air, according to to television guides, we've got a pop culture story involving Back to the Future. You know how much I'm a geek for that movie. And then the premiere of Survivor last night, two hours, and the finale of Special Forces. And we will get to all that momentarily. This podcast is also brought to you by Trail Mix Games for a tasty mix of love and drama. Download Love and Pies for free today. That's Love and Pies, free to download in the App Store or Google Play. All right, let's talk about The Bachelor real quick, and probably in the first half of this, spent talking about some Bachelor-related topics. First off is Jess. Now, at the Women Tell All taping this past Friday in L.A., Us Weekly sends a reporter out there, and they're able to talk to a few of these women behind the scenes or after the taping, maybe it's before the taping, either way, it was taped, it was recorded on Friday, This, the taping of the Women Tell All and this interview with Jess. And Jess said something that has my mind spinning because I don't really understand it. The reporter clearly asked her, how'd you feel about the conversation with Zach, how it went, and then obviously you getting sent home in that moment. And she said, one, well, not one, sorry. I definitely was blindsided. Throughout our journey, he always reassured me and validated me. He always told me everything's going to be okay, and it just kind of hold out, hold on. So as time went on and I wasn't getting that special quality time with him, I was definitely in my head of like, what am I missing here? There's nothing being communicated. That's wrong. So in a way, I saw it coming because it just wasn't adding up. But yeah, I definitely was blindsided still. <laughs> She literally contradicted herself in that paragraph. If in a way you saw it coming, then you can't be blindsided, right? Seeing something coming means you don't know you're about to be blindsided. Blindsided means I didn't see it coming. (laughs) So maybe someone just needs to tell Jess exactly what the definition of blindsided means. So she also said, I think he's an amazing guy. I think he was doing his best he could in the moment. I was doing the best that I could in the moment. We both just weren't understanding each other, and it doesn't mean that I was in the right and he was in the wrong. Like, there was no right or wrong. He was speaking his truth. I was speaking mine the best that we could. So I was not ever upset with him. It was just more of, like, I wish we could have understood each other. That's kind of confusing, and it's almost revisionist history because it clearly did seem like she was upset with him in the moment. Even if it was just in that moment and then a day later she was fine, she was upset with him in the moment. And it seemed like when she went in the car after she was eliminated and was crying and talking about her departure, she wasn't happy with him. Because what she just said in that sentence is not what she conveyed on the show once she was eliminated. So, look, I get it. This happened and her elimination happened in the month of October They taped this on February 24th. Like she said, what, uh, four months to sit on this? I mean, 
clearly things have changed, but is she's answering it the way she's answering it now, and it's like after she has a little more perspective on what happened on the show. But at the time, one, she did seem upset with him, and two, she did seem blindsided. So I don't know which... I don't really know where to go with Jess on this one other than like most things when it comes to this show and when people speak at the women tell all or even the men tell all, it's very hard to believe that these people are still bothered by anything that happened during filming, unless it was something totally egregious. But somebody walking in and stealing a date or stealing time from you even if it was, you know, first night, second night, that's back in September. They're taping this February 24th. Like, if you're really still bothered by that, you've probably got issues. Most of these people, it's like, look, we're over it. And you and I both know the way the tell-alls work is the producers gas up these women and these men and tell them basically what their role is on that show. You need to bring this up. You need to say this. You need to call them out. And if you're not willing to do that, they might not even bring you there. And if you get there and you do it, you'll get camera time. So it's just, it's why I can never take the tell-alls seriously unless there is a very hot topic that needs to be discussed. But being bothered by something that happened four months ago, I just, I can never buy that stuff. Especially if you're bothered by somebody who came in and interrupted one of your dates. Or your talks with Zach. It's like, okay, you're probably over that by now. You're you're really not that bothered by that. On the podcast, my weekly podcast that's going to be up in a couple hours, I talked to Dr. Dr. Diane Strakowski, who's a licensed psychologist, who covers this show, the Back to Love Doc, on Instagram. You've seen her on a few of the other podcasts. You heard her on with Dave Neal earlier this week. Really good conversation that I can't wait for you to hear in a couple hours because she really gets into and dissects what she sees as a psychologist looking at these relationships from the outside and what the TV chooses to tell us. And a couple of things that we you know, kind of got into and talked about, not got into where her and I butted heads, we saw, we saw a lot of the things the same way. But it's something that I've noticed in recent years, and it's one of probably the biggest changes that I've made in my coverage of this show as a lot of you know who have been around for a while, for the longest time, I came after contestants. And I just laid into them, whether it was stuff I heard behind the scenes, whether it was stuff I saw on TV. It was just this ruthless pile-on, go-after-them, never-stop. And it's not like I had any sort of vendetta. It was just, if they gave me ammunition, I just wouldn't let it go. Whether it was, like I said, off-air or something in the episode. Now... I just don't get as worked up as possible about it. There's no point to because it's very easy to sit back and call out Zach for these quote unquote red flags. And it's funny because so many people can call him out for the conversation he had with Greer where she talked about getting COVID and not making her quarter goals at work. And he's like, well, you know, you're really comparing that to me trying to find a wife. It's like, it wasn't that egregious. He just made a horrible analogy. And he even admit to it after the fact at the Women Tell All. You've seen maybe you've seen the interview, maybe you haven't, but he admitted to it. Like, you know what? Watching that back, I didn't handle that the right way. I said the wrong thing. But it's not like Greer was so offended and oh my gosh. It was just, huh. 
We didn't really mesh in that conversation. So it's so easy, and not even just Zach, the women, calling the women out for certain things. And it's so easy to do sitting at home when, what, you, Joe Blow at home, or Jane Blow at home, are so perfect in all your relationships, everything you've done and everything you've said is perfect? Of course it isn't. So who are you to say, this guy has red flags? Oh, my gosh. It's like red flags, I think, should be reserved for people who literally have, I don't know, criminal activity in their past. A red flag is not what he said to Greer on FaceTime. It just isn't. A red flag is if Zach has a DUI in the past. A red flag would be if Zach had a sexual assault in the past. I don't know what we call something, but him using a horrible analogy to Greer, to me that's not a red flag. I don't know what we want to call it. A yellow flag? Not a green flag, but it's certainly not a red flag. I think a red flag should be reserved for things that are a little more serious. Someone who's emotionally abusive, mentally abusive, physically abusive. That's a red flag in a guy in a relationship. Not a guy who just kind of heard what you said on a Zoom when he's in the middle of COVID and filming a television show and made a bad analogy. You know, it just that's the way I look at it. So I'm not going to sit here and rail on the guy. And I I just and I don't because I know Greer wasn't that bothered by it. She didn't think the conversation went well. But she still ended up getting a rose. So how much are we gonna, time are we going to spend on this? The other thing is and, and the reason I point that out is the main point being it's so easy for people on Twitter, on Instagram to give all their opinions on on how these people act and how Zach acts. And I could never date a guy like this or whatever. And I can't believe he said that when, yeah. And and you were perfect in all your relationships, everything you've done. You're the greatest partner ever. It's like, no, we all have our flaws. We've all screwed up. We've all said the wrong thing at the wrong time. Why can't it just be chalked up to that? And everything has to be this major issue with the show, you know, kind of like the, insufferable narcissistic windbag calling him a total dick really get over yourself now moving on to the crying by the women on this show you know Jess was very very emotional either with Zach and in the car leaving and I I know this seems obvious but I feel like I have to remind people of this every season even on the first night There's the producer manipulation of getting someone to cry about something completely different and then using that footage to make it seem like they're crying about leaving the lead. And people are like, how can you cry about somebody you just met a week ago? And Jess was probably about a month into the show. Are you really that bothered by Jess? You know, I think when you look at someone like Jess and you look at someone like anybody who cried at the end of the show, I can't even remember if Allie did or not, but for the most part, what they're crying about is the experience being over. They have developed friendships with the other women. And the fear of rejection on TV. Not necessarily, oh my God, I thought that was guy was going to be my husband and now it's not. 
No, it's more about, man, this is going to suck. I'm getting rejected on national television. That's going to bring out emotions in women. And it's going to bring out emotions in men. It's more about the rejection. It's more about, wow, this whole thing is over now. I really wanted to continue. Not necessarily because, oh my gosh, this guy is going to be my husband someday. It just, people need to keep that in mind when it comes to the emotions that both the men and the women on this show exude when they get eliminated. If you were to be, if they were to actually be really honest with themselves, some of them have been post-show. It's more about, you know what? I felt bad because I, I'm going to get rejected on national television. I have to watch this back. I was bummed I couldn't continue. It's more about the experience being over, leaving your friends so quickly, and then that's it. Really doesn't have to do with, oh my God, I'm crying over this guy or this woman. It doesn't. All right, let's move on to the schedule for the TV and The Bachelor the rest of the season. Going by my TV guide, it's now showing that the Women Tell All is going to be on Tuesday, March 14th, which makes sense. We knew they had to double up at some point, knowing that the end game was Monday, March 27th. So now we know the rest of the season. March 6th, next week, is going to be Budapest. March 13th, the following week, is going to be Hometowns. Then you're going to see the next night, Women Tell All, which makes the most sense because Ariel, Gabby, and Katie were not at the Women Tell All. So after Hometowns on Monday night, you're going to see everybody up to the final three there on at the Women Tell All. Then the following week, the 20th is going to be Overnights. 27th is going to be your two-hour finale plus your live after the final rows. So there you go. Thank God for TV guides on televisions. I mentioned that in the open, pop culture-related news is the fact is I have a story regarding Back to the Future. If you didn't know, either in 2021, I think it debuted in England, was the Back to the Future musical. And it won an award that's the equivalent of Best New Musical out here. I don't know what the name of the award is for England, but it did win it. And someone who reveres the Back to the Future franchise as much as I do. When I heard about a musical, I'm like, but this story isn't a musical. But then you think about it, it has one of the best scores ever in an 80s movie. It really does. Back in time, Huey Lewis and the News and their songs, uh, other than Back in Time, what was the other one? But just the score of... I mean, that was a very, it's a very, like, it's a very noticeable score when you watch that movie. Marty's going through and he's in the DeLorean and and the music playing in the background. It's so good. So I was like, okay, makes sense to me now. Well, it's coming to Broadway. It's going to hit the States this summer. I think I read in June it's going to have like an opening, but then it's going to officially open on Broadway, you know, across the where it's, you know, every night or whatever, in, I believe, August. I got to say, if there is something that's going to be on whatever you want to call it, a bucket list of mine now, I think this is now has to be added to it. I've got to see the Back to the Future musical at some point. I'm not going to go this summer because maybe it will show up in other places other than Broadway. Maybe it'll move to other venues across the United States. 
I don't know. But this is obviously something I need to see. There's just no way I, I can go the rest of my life and not watch the Back to the Future musical. Because I heard great stuff when it was in London, and I just didn't really pay attention. I'm just like, really? This is a musical, and it's getting great reviews? I mean, I was happy to hear it, but I just was like, I, I guess I have to experience it for myself. So that's a goal of mine. Now, seeing I saw a story yesterday about the launch date or whatever, I believe like it's going to have like a few shows in June, but it's officially going to launch on Broadway in August. I won't get out there this year, I don't think, but definitely in the future, I, I have to see it at some point. Survivor with a two-hour premiere last night. 44 seasons of Survivor, and oh boy, I can't remember, especially a first episode, we've never had this many medical emergencies in one episode. I don't have everybody's names down yet, and I probably won't for a good portion of the season. Brandon, I know, he's the former NFL football player, I believe. He got lightheaded. Bruce was the guy who went head first when they were they had to get under the net and he obviously didn't get down quick enough and hit his head bleeding profusely. He had to set out the rest of that challenge. And then who was the other guy that was climbing up the rocks that fell and separated his shoulders? See, I not good with the names yet. Oh, they did get Brandon and Bruce, so I'm proud of myself for that. But yeah, my gosh, two hours. I thought they'd have two. I thought they had two eliminations. We got through two hours and still only one elimination. But I guess because Bruce had to be removed from the game, that was their second one. If he was never removed from the game, we probably would have had two tribal councils last night. But neither here nor there. Uh, a good first episode, I thought. Some characters once again this season. Bam Bam or Yam Yam or Jam Jam. What's his name? Jam Jam? On the screen it says Yam Yam, but Probst was calling him Jam Jam. But that not that because that's the whole thing we had with Juan Pablo when Juan Pablo, when he was tweeting back when his season was airing, it was always like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but that's supposed to be, or it was like, ja, 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 ja. That's got to be it, right? Because on the screen, it literally says YAM, YAM. But Jeff Probst is calling him Jam Jam. So I'm guessing it's a cultural thing. Now, he's going to be a character. And the single mom is going to be a character. Although I don't think she's lasting long in this game. The kid with the glasses who put on 30 pounds, who's a super fan of the show, he's lasting long. It's impossible to say who's going to win this thing. There's no point. You're literally just, you might as well just give me a hat with all 18 names in it and I'll just pick one because I have a better chance of picking that than I do saying who I think it's going to win based on one episode. We have no idea. Unless there are spoilers out there, but I don't want spoilers for Survivor ever. And then there's a couple other ones, but again, I'm not, I'm not great with names, but man, what a rough first episode in terms of evacs and injuries I, I we've never seen that three people had to be tended to medically bruce and brandon and the other guy who separated his shoulder it's crazy 
And finally, we end with Special Forces. What a great new show on Fox. I hope they bring it out and they have another season next year. I think it'd be great. Very inspirational show. If you don't know what happened at the end, very surprising. Not surprising that Hannah Brown won. I didn't I, I saw that coming for a while. Once she got through about halfway through the season, I'm like, okay, she's clearly not gonna quit. And she's clearly not going to unless obviously you can't predict a medical evacuation. But it was very obvious and she's promoted the show a lot on 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 her Instagram. I knew that she had won. And then or it was obvious. I didn't know anything. I it was obvious she had she had made it to the end. The Carly thing was surprising because I think everybody expected Danny to make it to the end. And look, I can, I'm not going to call this guy out. He's a professional football player. He lasted nine more days than I would have lasted there. But I am curious to be like, dude, there was five hours left. What, you couldn't stand five hours? You, you made it through all that, but you couldn't stand loud noises in your ear? And look, I you know I'm not I'm not saying I could have. I'm just saying for a guy who pretty much made that whole experience look easy, seemingly passing everything with flying colors, what set him out was having headphones on and then playing loud noises. Like that was surprising to me. I would think that surprised a lot of people. But I'm curious to see what he says post-show in interviews. Maybe he was just like, did they know that there was only X amount of time left? They had to have known that was the last day, and there wasn't much time left that they had to get through to get to the end. But I, I'm I'm curious. Dwight, same thing. I, I, I don't think anybody's surprised that Dwight had to check out. It looked like he was mentally and physically drained from that. Danny was a complete surprise. And then once Danny did, I didn't think Hannah was going to be the only winner. So I really thought, especially when they put her and Carly in the interrogation hole together, I was like, okay, they're going to get out of this, and these two are going to be the winners. And, and you know, all the credit to them. Hannah Brown was the MVP of the season, hands down. It wasn't even close because she was, the, she was a reality star who, with no athletic background whatsoever, pageant girl, and for her to get through that and do as well as she did, all the credit in the world to Hannah Brown. So really cool show. I hope they bring that back, and I hope they do the same thing. You get some athletes, and you get some reality people. Maybe you even get rid of the athletes and just be – but there's a part of me that thinks that maybe they should get rid of the athletes, but I think the athletes push the reality stars. If it's all reality stars – I think it'll be easier for easier for some of them to quit. Now I don't want to see that. But a very good show and would love to see it back for a season 2. I have no idea if it's going to be a season 2. I mean, this started in January. We'd be months away from them even filming the next season. So, I'll be interested and I really hope they bring back uh, a second season of that. Congratulations to Hannah Brown and Carly Lloyd uh, for getting to the end and and making it. That is a mu- I guarantee they probably feel like that's the best thing they've ever accomplished in their life. And Carly Lloyd is a multi-time Olympic gold medalist for the U.S. women's soccer team. Something tells me that she probably puts more pride in completing special forces than winning those gold medals. 
She'll be asked that in interviews. I'll be interested to see what she says. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. Sports Daily is going to be up in an hour, and my interview with Dr. Diane Strakowski is going to be up in two hours on the regular Reality Steve podcast feed, so check that out. Very good talk with her. She really dives into the psyche of Zach and some of the women on this show. Fun conversation. Anyway, thanks for all for listening. Really appreciate it. And I will talk to you tomorrow. See you.